Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Happy New Year! How many of you guys actually stayed up till midnight last night? Anybody? Wow! Wow, a lot of you guys. No wonder you're at the 11 o'clock service. Good. Wow. Props to you guys for being here. Me and my wife, we were in bed by 9.30, so I could not do it. For those who don't know me, I am Pastor Josh. I'm the minister of middle school students slash families. Um, And as my middle school students will be able to tell you, I like to have a catchy sermon title, something that they can take with them throughout the week that they can hold on to. So with that being said, my sermon title for today is Kill the Old Man. All right? So before that, who remembers Y2K? Anybody? I don't. I was five. But... It's been interesting to hear the stories of people who uh, were talking about how they thought, you know, the world was going to end, the systems were all going to shut down, the banks were going to fail just because the computers wouldn't be able to do the new 2,000-year date. But it's been interesting to hear how people kind of recognize that oftentimes newness comes at the cost of destruction of the old. Because we see that all throughout history and all throughout the Bible. In Genesis... When we see the flood, it creates this new world and this new life. God purifies and makes things new, but it's at the cost of destruction of the world through the flood. In the book of Hebrews, which Pastor Chris is speaking through right now, we see a new covenant established through Jesus. He builds this new covenant. However, it comes with the passing away of the old. Then we get to the book of Revelation in the future where you literally have the destruction of everything, right? The destruction of the heavens, the destruction of the earth, destruction of everything, and then you have it all created brand new. So we see all throughout history and all throughout scripture that oftentimes the old comes at the destruction, or the new comes at the destruction of the old. A lot of us don't realize that the Christian life also comes with death. So if you could, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. If you can follow along in your physical or your virtual Bible, I promise it'll make a lot more sense. And I also want to make sure that you're in Romans chapter 6. I was practicing this sermon with my wife Sarah yesterday, and we, uh, afterwards she said, it was good, but I have one criticism. She says, the the problem I had was it felt like none of the verses really matched up with what you're talking about. I was like, oh, wow, that's, man, that's a bummer. And then we looked, and she was actually reading out of chapter 5. So make sure you're in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. And I asked her if I could bring up that story, and she said it was okay. So the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul really sharing the gospel throughout the whole thing, explaining what it means, what the good news is that we have. It's really him showing what it means to have a theology centered on Christ. In chapter 6, starting in verse 5, it says, For if we have been united in a death like his, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, wait a second, what, a death like his? That sounds aggressive. Okay, like what is this talking about, united with him in a death like his? You know, in, in Christianity, we know that it begins... Our faith begins with the death of crucifixion of Christ Jesus, but a lot of us don't realize that it involves the death of us as well. 
So what does that mean? Well, first, let's go back a little. In the end of chapter 5, what he's talking about is the grace that's been given us to us through Christ. He says that, you know, sin came into the world through Adam, but then sin was conquered through Jesus, and now he has extended grace that covers each and every one of our sins. And he begins chapter 6 by saying, well, hey, you know, we've been given all this grace, and this, it glorifies God that he's able to forgive us and cleanse us of that sin. Like, should we just continue to sin? Just keep on sinning? Like, why does it matter? You know, we've got the grace. Like, let's, should we just continue to sin? And his answer, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, is he says, surely not. You know, of course not. Obviously not. What he says instead is that we're actually now been made dead to sin. That we have been made dead to sin. In verse 4, he actually says that we have been baptized with Jesus into death. Baptized with Jesus into death. What does that mean? Well, I was explaining a couple weeks ago to one of my students what baptism means because it symbolizes a lot of different things. In fact, I would say it symbolizes three main things, okay? So the first thing baptism symbolizes is that Jesus Christ died and was crucified and he was dead for three days, but then he rose from the grave and he conquered death. And now he has been resurrected, he has conquered death once and for all. That's one of the first thing it symbolizes. The second thing it symbolizes is that we had our sin and we were washed clean by Jesus' blood and we were raised up and now that sin has been washed away, okay? We're completely made clean. The third thing it symbolizes, which I think is also incredibly important, is that each of us comes to Jesus in our sinful self, in our, in our selfish self that's completely destined for hell and destruction, that is completely com- centered on our, our own selves, that sinful self, we bring that to Jesus and what he does is he allows that self to be crucified and killed and then to be raised up into new life. And that's what baptism shows is when we come out of the water, we're coming into the new life that we've been given by Christ. And with that, if we continue on in verse 5, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So that resurrection is twofold that he's talking about. The first, he's saying, so we've, you know, that old self died, but now what happens is first, when our physical self actually dies, our, fall, our body dies, if we've received Christ Jesus, that we are going to live eternally in heaven. We are going, when this old body falls away and dies, our, we will have new eternal life in heaven. But what it also means is that this old self, this depraved self, the one in sin, has been put away, put aside, and now we have, we have been resurrected into spiritual life, into true life through Jesus. And part of the reason that's necessary is because our old self was a slave. In verse 6, it says we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So the old self that he's talking about right here, in the Greek it actually says the old man. Basically your old self, your previous self, that that part of yourself was actually crucified with Jesus. It says that when Jesus died, when he was crucified on the cross, he actually took that, he's willing to take that old self of ours, if we're willing to give it to him, he's willing to take that old self that's covered in sin, 
that is only living for itself, and he's willing to crucify that with him on the cross. That previous self, that old man, was, he's willing to take and allow to be crucified with him on the cross. That old self has been put to death. And like I said, that old self, the old man, was a slave. And that comes to my second point, that becoming new means not being enslaved to the old. So later on in the, this chapter of Romans, in chapter 6, he talks about that each of us is a slave, whether we realize it or not. Each of us is born into sin and born into slavery to sin, even if we don't realize it. We might feel like we have some certain measure of freedom. We might feel like we can just do what we want and, and, and that if we can just work hard enough, we'll get better. But what we don't realize is that each of us is born enslaved to sin. That no matter how hard we try and no matter how hard we try to just do the right thing, that we're actually still going to be trapped in sin and that we're always going to come back to sin. You've undoubtedly seen that with, through addictions and different sins in your life that you try to escape them and you try to get away from them that eventually they just pull you back in. Each of us are born enslaved. What being a Christian means is that we're no longer slaves. Christ has set us free. He has made it so that we're not slaves again. The old man, the old self, the enslaved self who had, was trapped in slavery, was bound and trapped and there's nowhere, no freedom to be found, that self has been freed. That, self, that old self has died and a new self has been set free. Where we previously had no choice at all but to continually choose sin, we now have the ability to choose righteousness. Now that I'm a Christian, I can begin to choose things that are actually honoring to God. Before then, we're in slavery. I can speak from experience. I, Josh Pinkerton, spent so many years and decades of my life struggling with, with sin and slavery. I struggled with addictions and self-seeking behaviors that just conquered me. I was enslaved. I was trapped. But what Jesus did was he made it so that I had a choice. He gave me the ability to choose righteousness, to choose to confess my sin, to choose to confess my sin to him and others, to seek help, to seek Christian brothers and sisters who could help me and, and help me to fight against the sin. And through that, I've now been clean from all these sins, for, for, not from all of my sins, but clean from all these sins that I was addicted to and struggling with, I've been clean for years. And that's not through my glory or my strength, but through his. I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the the phrase, you know, I promise I'll never do this again. I probably said that about a thousand times, right? But Jesus was willing to free me from that and cleanse me from that. And, and the thing is, I know that this isn't a unique story. There's Christians here who I've talked to, Christians in this church and Christians all over the place who have a, such a similar story where you felt trapped, you were mired in this sin, and you tried to escape it. You thought, I, you know, I just, I'm just stuck here. I can't get out of it. And then one day Jesus came and he just helped bring, brought you out of it. And then usually it's not, for some it's an immediate thing. For others it's him just working with you and just continuing to pull you out of it. It's incredible what Jesus does in our lives and the ability he has to free us, to take us out of the enslavement that we have while we are locked in sin and still the old person. But in verse 7, it states, 
For the one who has died has been set free from sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Oh, what does that mean? It means that the Christian is now perfect. Right? No, of course not. It doesn't mean that the Christian is perfect. Okay? You guys, just a quick glance around the room will tell you that's not true. Just a quick glance to the front of the room will tell you that that's not true. Right? The Christian, we're not perfect once we have been set free from sin. So that's not what it's talking about. What it is talking about is that we have been set free from the consequences of sin. We have been set free from the eternal separation from God that we were destined for. But what it also is saying is that we now have the freedom to choose something else other than sin. We now have the ability to choose righteousness. However, I'm still going to choose the wrong thing sometimes. I'm still going to choose to sin sometimes. And the reason for that, and I'm about to say something very theologically profound, so I just want you to make sure you're ready for this. The problem is, I'm still a blockhead, okay? I'm still a blockhead sometimes, because while I'm still physically in this body, while I'm still physically here, this body isn't yet perfect, right? I haven't been given the new body that I will receive when we each go to heaven. I haven't been given that new body in the resurrection. And so while I'm still in this old body, I'm still a blockhead sometimes, and I'm still going to make wrong choices, a lot of wrong choices. But what Jesus does is he makes it so that we now have the freedom to choose, the freedom to choose righteousness. You know, we've been set free from prison. He took off the chains on our legs but it doesn't mean that we're still sometimes dumb enough to go back into the prison even if we don't actually have those shackles still on us. I forget who the Christian was, but they gave the metaphor that Christians are like pigs. Okay, Christians, each of us, are, we start out like pigs. We're, you know, we're, we're just in this muck and this mud, and we don't even realize how filthy we are, but we're in this muck and this mud, and we're, we're just kind of rolling around in our own filth, and we're eating this garbage out of the, out of the slop. You know, we're, we're eating the trough, and we're just going to town, and we don't even realize how, basically, how, in what misery we're in. Until what Jesus does is he comes along, and he turns us into people. What Jesus does is he finds us as we're pigs. He finds us in the pig pen, and what he does is he turns us into people. He, he cleans us off. He washes the mud off. He gives us clothes. He teaches us how to eat people food. He brings us into a new home. That's what Jesus does. He, bring, he finds us in the filth and he takes us out of it. The problem is, for some reason, sometimes even though that we've been made people and our, Jesus is teaching us how to be people, we, we go back to what's familiar. Even though we're people now, we go back to the pig pen because, you know, we didn't, feel satis- uh, we didn't feel satisfied in that. We didn't feel joy in that, but it's familiar. So we go back to it. We go back into the pig pen. We start covering ourselves in mud again. We start eating out of the trough again. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit now who convicts us and go, wait a second, you know, why, am I, why am I back here in mud? Why am I back here eating, eating pig food again? And we have the Holy Spirit who convicts us and then Jesus then takes us back out of it again and helps us to continue now walking as people. Jesus helps us in figuring out what it looks like to be a person. And that's where we come to the third point. And that becoming new requires Jesus' salvation of the old. Becoming new requires Jesus' salvation of the old. So verses 8 through 11, they state that for if we have died with Christ... 
we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, first, I think it means that Jesus, he died, but he only had to die once. Jesus died and was killed and crucified on the cross for our sins, but he now never has to die again. He never died after that. He was raised to life on the third day, and then he, was, he rose into heaven after that. Jesus never died, and he is never going to die again. He now reigns eternally in eternal life with the Father in heaven at the throne. The life he now has, he now uses to bring glory to the Father. And what Jesus does is he does that same thing for us. He makes it so that we now can die in that old self, the old man, the old person, the old self, the old woman, the old man, they can be put to death. And now this new self can be born. But this new self, this new life isn't for us. The new life he gives us isn't for us. The new life he gives us is so that we can actually bring glory to the Father as well. The new life he gives us is not so that we can just keep doing the same old thing we did before, but now we don't have to worry about hell. No, the, new, the life he gives us is so that we can now walk in a way that's honoring and glorifying to God. That's what Jesus does. He makes it so that we can be dead to ourselves, but alive to God. Not only will we one day live eternally with him, but we can now be dead to ourselves, but alive to God. I know personally that oftentimes death and life are intertwined. Thirteen years ago today, on January 1st, my grandmother died. She worked here for several years at the church. And when that happened, it really felt like life for all of my family had kind of ended. We, were, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. My grandfather had it even worse. My grandfather, who had loved my grandmother and been married to her for, for decades, he just didn't know what to do with himself. And he, he actually went into this deep depression where he didn't even want to be alive anymore. It, this carried on for several years where every single day it was just like he couldn't even find the motivation to get up. Until finally one day he had to have gallbladder surgery and there was actually a lot of complications with that. And he actually had to be put into a medically induced coma for several days. And while my grandfather was in the coma, he had a dream. And in the dream, he felt like he saw my grandma in heaven. He saw her there. And he actually was able to talk to her. And he said, he said Connie, please, I need you to come back. I need you to come. Uh, please, I, I need you to come back. I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. I need you to come back. And her response was, I don't want to come back. I'm happy. This is where all my friends are. This is where Jesus is. I don't want to come back. And something about that, and I don't know if it was a prophetic dream or what, but what I do know is that when my grandma, grandpa came out of the coma, that he was radically different. That he now, he, he no longer was grieving in that same way, that he now felt joy and he, because he knew that my grandma, while she might have physically died, she was now spiritually and eternally alive in heaven. 
And that's what Jesus offers to each of us. With that, to the Christian and to the non-Christian, I have three applications from each of the three points I've given so far in the message. The first is that sometimes becoming new requires destruction of the old. So if you're not a Christian, you know that something's not right, right? You feel, you feel some sort of void, some sort of gap. Things don't feel completely satisfied. And, and some of us, our answer to try to do that is like, you know, it's the new year, like, well, if I can just start working out more, or if I can just start eating right, or if I can, you know, just start doing this thing better or this thing better, I can fill that void and fill that gap. The problem is that that old self is never going to be enough. The old man is never going to be enough. That old self, that old man, will one day reach destruction one way or another, and he will never be enough to satisfy us. He will never be enough to bring us true life to true peace. To the Christian, I want to say, please don't forget that that old man, that old self, was killed. They're dead. Sometimes we have this bad habit of trying to do like a weekend at Bernie's type thing where we take that corpse and we carry it around and try and like pretend that it's still alive, that it's still there. Or we have these parts of our old self that we try to dig up and carry with us into the new life. Christian brother and sister, I want you to ask yourself, what parts of your old dead self are you trying to carry with you into your new life? For some of us, it's the stuff we watch on TV. For some of us, it's the stuff we look at on the internet. For some of us, it's the stuff we read, the stuff we say, the stuff we do. For some of us, it's the way we treat our parents or our friends or our significant other, our children. For some of us, it's the things we do behind closed doors that we're hoping nobody else can see or know about. We're hoping that that won't be seen by anybody else. For some of us, it's the stuff that we do when we're around certain people. It's the things we do to try and blend in. We try and bring back that part of that old self because we're scared of what that new self might look like to everybody. I just want to remind you that that old self is dead and this new life that you've been given is so that we can glorify God. And that should look different, right? It should look different. This new life shouldn't look like the old self. It should be a little bit strange to some people. It shouldn't look the same. It should be different. You should notice something different. People should notice something different about you because you have a new life. You're not that old self anymore. You're alive. So I ask you to find, find the parts that are still part of your old self and put them away. Let them die so that you can fully take on this new self that you've been given through Christ. My second point was that becoming new means not being enslaved to the old. To the non-Christian, and I can speak from my own experience, you've undoubtedly found that this slavery in your own life, that even as you try to get better, as you try to do the right thing, you try to fix things, eventually something comes along and it catches you and it pulls you back. Heck, you know, even when you're trying to do the right thing, it's usually for the wrong reasons. It's usually out of selfishness. And so you found that you've been, that it, even, no matter how far you go, eventually there's those chains that will drag you back into it. I'm here to tell you 
the good news is that Jesus has the keys. In the amazing grace, it says, you know, amazing grace, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Jesus is the one who does that. Jesus is the one who has the ability to set us free. The ability to make it so that we now have the ability to choose. Jesus is the one who does that and he's willing to give us that, each of us. To the Christian, I'm here to remind you of that freedom that you already have. That freedom that Jesus has given you. Because some of us, we've been set free, but for some reason we keep going back into the prison. Like we don't have the bonds on anymore, we don't have the chains, but for some reason that was what was familiar, that was what was comfortable, and so we go back into it. I'm here to remind you that you've been set free. Use that freedom. Use that freedom for the glory of the Father. And finally, the last point was that becoming new requires accepting Jesus' salvation of the old. So Christian, I want you to take the time today to thank Jesus, to thank God for his salvation of you. It's incredible what he does. Because Jesus doesn't find us when we're at our, our perfect goodness, right? Jesus doesn't find us when we're like, you know, all dressed up nice for church. We got our hair all calm. That's not where Jesus finds us. Where Jesus found us was in our filth. Was in, it was in the garbage. That's where Jesus came down and picked us up from. That's what he had to go through on the cross. He comes down into us at our worst, at our lowest. That's what Jesus dragged us out of. That's what Jesus saw and was willing to save us from. Jesus has saved you from that. He's made you new. And so thank him for that and live a life that shows that. To the, to the non-Christian, I just want to tell you that even if you felt trapped, even if you felt enslaved, Jesus has the keys and he's willing to set you free. The thing is though, Jesus, isn't a, Jesus is not going to force you and neither am I. Somebody said once that Jesus is a gentleman, right? He's not going to force us to do things that we don't want to do, Right? While we're still on this earth, while we're still in these bodies, we have a choice. We always have a choice. And for some of us, that choice can be to continue to choose to do nothing. The choice can be to stick with what's familiar, to stick with what's easier. And, you know, it, it doesn't require faith. It doesn't, you don't have to have any faith. You can stick with where you're at, and it doesn't even require change. You can just stick with what you know, what's familiar, what's easy. It, it's not going to lead to change. It's not going to lead to eternal life. It's not going to lead to eternal peace. It's not going to lead to true joy, but it's what's familiar. And so, so many people choose that. However, today I want you to know that you have the choice for something different. You have the free choice that was given to you through the full sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Through his pain, through his blood, through his life, he made it so that we now have the choice to choose something different, to choose Jesus, to choose to receive his salvation and choose to give our lives to him for his glory. Jesus has provided that choice to us. He's provided the ability to put aside that old man, to take that old man and to crucify them on the cross with him and to now be made alive in Christ Jesus to actually find true life and true joy 
and true peace. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and um, the band's going to come back up, and Pastor Chris will be up here at the front. If, if that's where you're at today, if you're willing to, if you want to start this new year making the choice to actually put away the old self, to kill the old man, and to put on a new self that was given to you by Christ, Jesus offers us that opportunity today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for your love and your goodness, Lord. The fact that you loved us enough to be willing to die for us, God. That, Lord, that you provided the means for us to be saved and brought into new life, both eternally and here on this earth, God. Lord, that you've given us the ability to have a new life that doesn't look anything like the old. Lord, I thank you for that opportunity that each of us have. Lord, for us Christians, I thank you that you were willing to let us receive that. And Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of that fully, God. That we would put away the old self completely and take on the new self, Lord. Lord, for those of us who aren't Christians, I pray that today would be the day and this year would be the year that we would ultimately choose you, Lord. That we would choose to put away the old self to take on the new self that you've offered to us, God. Lord, I thank you for your blessings and your goodness, your grace and your love. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.